I'm Betches co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? and get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Tammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Ugh, we were really going to laugh about this first headline, but uh, since we discussed discussing it and our podcast recording time, it has sadly been debunked. But a headline went around this morning saying that former Trump aide Hope Hicks might have been joining a celebrity big brother. And uh, we all found this very believable. I did. <laughs> Oh, totally. Um, the only, the, you know, honestly, thankfully, it was debunked before we recorded. Could you imagine if we recorded like 15 minutes on Hope Hicks? <gasps> well, nobody, <laughs> I would never have put it in here unless two other sources like confirmed it. But there was literally like one tweet. So I was like, oh, I'll just wait for it to be confirmed. But then I saw Maggie Haberman's tweet saying that uh, that it wasn't happening. I'm going to be optimistic here and assume that of like there was Maggie a Maggie Haberman knew. Of course she did. Yeah, exactly. Because Hope Hicks texted That's the real story. <laughs> That's so true. Famously, famously um, easy on the Trump family. Maggie Haberman suddenly has the scoop that Trump aide Hope Hicks is not joining. Do you think that she has her personal number? Oh, of oh, yeah. course. That's how she probably got so many scoops. It's like, you know, very rich people gonna run in the same circles. And Her uh, mom does PR for the Trumps. That's why. Yes. That's right. That's right. For Rubenstein, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Sounds all incredibly ethical, right? <laughs> I know. But I, I'm going to be optimistic here and assume that this was like a game of tele- tabloid telephone and maybe just the wrong political figure was referenced in the story. So who in politics right now do you think we should banish to the Big Brother house? I think Madison Cawthorn would be perfect for a number wow. of reasons. I think he does not need to be in Congress. And I think he would be like a good, like, I don't know, I can see him on as a summer house character. He's got the look. Matt Gates. That's what I was going to say. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I was going to say I agree with both of those, obviously, but don't you feel that that is potentially a hazard to the other members? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, I, like yeah, they, it's unethical. Yeah, like, I don't think it would really, really ethical to place those two individuals in a house with other women. Well, here's the thing. You do have to be over 18 to be on Celebrity Big Brother. So you know what? But you don't have to be under 18 to be assaulted. So, you know, I think we just I I think we I think um, is there anyone who like sucks a lot, but not in that particular way? Neil Gorsuch, who won't wear a mask on the Supreme Court bench, forcing Sonia Sonia Sotomayor to work from home, even though he should work from home. I think the person who wants to spread the death virus should work from home. 
Right. So because she's got type one diabetes, so she's actually in danger from catching COVID. Yeah. So it sounds like for the safe the safety of the rest of our Supreme Court justices, we should probably contain Neil Gorsuch in the so in the big celebrity Big Brother house house and tele teleconference in the Supreme Court. (laughs) He gets his own office in the Big Brother house, (laughs) and in the background you can like hear you can hear Nene Leakes and uh, Tyler Cameron going at it. He does have a sort of like, I don't know what look he has, but he has a look about him that, I don't know, I find it a bit menacing, I got to say. And if he would just cover his face, we wouldn't have to see it. But I think Neil Gorsuch is a very, um, that's not a choice I would have thought. That's not a path I would have thought we went down when I started this. But that's that's why I love our podcast hosts, because we always end up somewhere I don't expect. He's a terrible person, but in a not a salty way. So Mm. there we go. (laughs) There's many ways to be a terrible person. (laughs) We've got the whole rainbow inside the the Republican Party right now. (laughs) I know. The fact that Hope Hicks was believable was probably because she was just a woman and she doesn't have any. I mean, the worst. I mean, she did. She did give Donald Trump COVID, right? Like, that's probably what happened. I think that is a very likely. Yeah. One of the very likely scenarios. Maybe someone like uh, Amy Coney Barrett. She might be interesting. She's not going to hurt anybody. You know, yeah, she would. Bobert. She would like misunderstand. But All she of can't people would like. Bobert that's true. Bobert All people would misunderstand gun. like the prompt and just assume it was like, oh, Big Brother, so we can tell people what to do with their lives. No, no, no. You just sit around <laughs> in a room and uh, that's what she does for her you. day job. So. Yes. <laughs> Well, you have Mark. You could have Mark Zuckerberg, and he'd be like, "This is just like work." <laughs> True. I mean, a lot of these people should probably be confined to a single room, just not in the Big Brother house in a prison cell. And Ooh. for our next story, we're going to discuss uh, those potential outcomes. The House Select Committee on January sixth they've subpoenaed and obtained the phone records. Obtained. I feel like I've never said subpoenaed and obtained. I haven't said that for a while about this uh, mm. investigation. I think because these, you know, they have to go to the phone company. But the phone records associated with former President Trump's son Eric Trump and Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle, who was a former Trump advisor and, of course, is the fiance to Donald Trump Jr. and famously ex-wife to California Governor. Gavin Newsom. Both of them spoke at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. And the records that they have include, you know, incoming calls, outgoing calls, the dates that they were made, the duration, the times of their calls, all that stuff. Believe it or not, this is the first subpoena for a Trump family member for this, for the House Committee investigation to January 6th. Um, of course, for Letitia James's tax case in New York, she's gotten to speak to these clowns. Uh, Eric Trump has already testified and apparently pled the fifth more than five hundred times in his deposition with her, which just seems impressive. Now we know how many questions there were, like 505. Um, (laughs) Do we, okay. So my first reaction was like, okay, all these people definitely make sense as subpoena worthy, but why, what about the people who are not subpoenaed? Are they... um, For the Howard and Don Jr. and Ivanka... And even like I think they probably eventually will be, but these these people didn't get subpoenaed. Their record, their like phone right, records. That, that's got what it, that's yeah. what I meant. So why wouldn't you just be like, we're also going to do John Jr. and Ivanka and Mike Pence because Mike Pence's are probably quite fruitful, is my guess. I don't know if his cell phone records would be because I think he was communicating via the Secret Service at that point. So the yeah. communications weren't directly from him. They were happening between the, the, the officers around him. But I mean, like, um, to him. 
That's true. I mean, if there there oh. were at the time, however, More I think Donald than Trump's, what? Uh, was speaking to Mike Pence via the crowd, which was hang him. Uh, right. So, but he, what about like the week <laughs> earlier? You know, like what about like the you know, there's there's two yeah. months earlier that this could have been interesting for. I think more interesting than what people sent is what was sent to them, because you can't you know, you can kind of control what you sent. You're probably mm-hmm. like um, trying to cover your ass, I imagine, when you're planning the insurrection or I don't know. These people don't even try to do that in some cases. Yeah, it sort of reminds but- <laughs> me of like in the first impeachment or some I don't even know if it was involved in impeachment, but somebody sent something claiming to have damning evidence about Hillary Clinton. And John Jr. was like, great, we love it. And that was that's just an example before the of summer. Like, right. What was incoming was, was just as is. important. Yeah. Like if people yeah. were offering Eric Trump, you know, money to keep pursuing this, they specifically want to look at if they're doing any fundraising. Same. I, I think like they have to have very specific reasons for each subpoena. And maybe they just are doing one at a time. Like, you know, the reason their rationale for why they want Giuliani and Jen Ellis is different for why they want uh, the others. Like they have to like very specifically outline what they hope to find. So maybe that's why they're going here first. But it's it's starting to look like this could be a a, a very uh, productive year for this committee. Well, insurrections are like be. onions. <laughs> yeah, insurrections are like onions. Yeah, they well, make you, got, you cry. You got to peel, yes, and you have to peel the outer layers till you get to the center core, which is. Donald Trump, famously obviously. delicious, the center core of the onions. Yeah, the most like uh, what's that word? part sharp i don't sharp sharp the sharpest part of the onion you have donald trump hey american fever dream listeners i'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift now you can use gift mode on etsy gift mode on etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So what they're looking for, the next layers they're looking for, for Eric, they're specifically looking at if he did any fundraising for the rally. Um, the committee is also looking to subpoena former President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy along with Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell is like the extra spicy version of Trump crazy. Like, I think the Trump campaign even was like, we don't need you around yeah. anymore, uh, even before stuff went down. Um, she was urging Trump to seize voting machines and find evidence that they were tampered with by foreign adversaries. She's continued to, to file election lawsuits just sort of like on her own. <laughs> but a Michigan judge recently ordered her to attend classes on the ethical and legal requirements for finding a loss, filing a lawsuit. Isn't that law school? Why are we giving lawyers like free continuing? Maybe it's not free. No, but they They have to pay for continuing education. And yes, they do have to continue doing it. I just think that there we have gotten to a point where like disbarment should be 
Stop. should be used more frequently. Like, you know, if you're an officer of the court, which is what the point of becoming a lawyer is, you are ethically bound in lots of different ways to actually be responsible with the powers entrusted to you. And they take that pretty seriously. Like, if you smoked weed, they'd be like, wow, you know, before it was legal. They'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe, blah, blah, blah. You'd end up in huge bunches of trouble for it. But weirdly, you can help plan an insurrection against the government of the United States, and they'll just be like, I know. Go <laughs> yeah. take some five hours ethics classes. Right. That Go is so it. true. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know we probably have, like, lawyers that listen. And I know when Mike was, like, trying to get him into the bar, he was so – I mean, the kid's never done anything wrong, but he was just so anxious about any little thing from high school that could like come up. And it's it is kind of insane to think that these these clowns are like running around committing sedition and uh, they get a slap on the wrist and you you have to go take some ethics classes. How is Rudy Giuliani still allowed to practice law? That's yeah, why he was disbarred. That was temporary. I thought so, too. For good reason. <laughs> But I didn't know that. For perjury. Yeah, he he got disbarred under the whole perjury thing. Because it's a it's a felony. Yeah. It's a crime. Now, admittedly, is it enough to knock you out of office? No, because that's not how politics works. But I mean, and also the people who are gonna take over were gonna be like Republicans. So we were like, eh. Right, eh. right, 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 right. But but the point is is that like this should come with some serious consequences because, you know, my man was not just out here you know, dripping just for men, but he was <laughs> dripping a whole seditious conspiracy. <laughs> the right. election. It's yeah, true. I mean, the this is sort of where you got the intersection of like privilege, consequences, mental health, even because think about this woman like Sidney Powell and uh, some of these people, I, who's the other guy who was with her? I mean, people were saying whatever people were saying that Sidney Powell and uh, what was the one who Kyle Rittenhouse said was oh, Lynn, Lynn Wood. I can't remember. Yeah, he said he was Wood. like a psycho. And there were like some accounts written about these people that were like not only indicative of, you know, rational planning of a coup, but just some really erratic, potentially diagnosable behavior. And they just sort of get to impose. I mean, even look at Donald Trump just himself. Mm -hmm. These people get to impose their very dangerous, abusive mental illnesses uh, and the consequences of them with basically no consequences to themselves. Like these people aren't going to just show up to the subpoena. There's going to be a long time of litigation if mm -hmm. the committee is even able to outlast that litigation. And it's because they're like fucking True. white people dressed up as, you know, lawyers, but they're they're just kind of I th I can't believe really that, problematic. I can't believe that we're not saying every day that Bill Clinton was disbarred over his impeachment and we still have these people running around with with licenses to practice law. That's out of control. Like I it's like like, like you're saying Sammy, it's like these people act like and even we sort of frame them like the idea of consequences and accountability is just sort of like a would be such a big deal like oh my goodness all of these all of these educated whites going to prison it's like they committed violent crimes like this yeah. is what they did and that's and that's the punishment just because we haven't really seen it in this way before or we haven't been willing to see it in this way before but we have there have been so many corruption scandals throughout american history thrown yeah. out some old archaic ones i mean there's watergate 
where also Spiro Agnew, the reason why Gerald Ford took over for Richard Nixon is because his actual VP had already been arrested. The Spiro Agnew got arrested in between mm-hmm. the one the one for a completely different corruption scandal. It's, yeah. it's incredible, by the way. <laughs> it was so bad. They were like, we'll just, and then he picked Gerald Ford as his VP. <laughs> and they get barely any consequences. Uh, and then he got a pardon. Yeah. Barely any what? consequences. Like, like they get an ethics class, like you said. Like a class. You get a fucking class on ethics. Like I could make an ethical argument for a lot of – there's an ethical argument for eugenics that exists. Like that very famous guy – what's his name? Singer. He. That's like his – that's his ethics, you know? You can really – it's just sort of ridiculous and – the head of the Oath Keepers, I was like reading about this guy when he got arrested. He went to Yale. Like, right. It's, it, there's not. Yeah. Ron DeSantis like went to Harvard a, and Yale. It's not a matter of like education, but when it comes to the, what they will do, but it is when they will, mm. when they will get, get punished for what they'll do. I'm just here still grabbing my, I mean, I understand how George W. Bush went to, to Yale. Yes, we all understand Harvard. that. Right. That makes perfect sense. But Ron DeSantis? <laughs> really? They just letting any old person in now. What the, what? Anyway, that's, and then again, Ben Sassy has <laughs> a PhD from Yale in American history and said that you can't be mean to people who, help do your See, this is you. why this and is why ben like, sass this is why ben sass slavery in this country yeah and ron DeSantis are <laughs> you are an american history phd being aware of being aware of like facts like to that earn you the degree is really irrelevant when you don't have like the worldview to place it in whether mm. that comes from experience or not um you know it's just or, yeah they just jam it into whatever mm-hmm. worldview they find politically favorable in the moment because they're not dumb so yeah (sighs) rebag is a luxury resale marketplace they have a curated collection of investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts you can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands including hermes chanel and cartier head to rebag.com to get 10 percent off your first purchase with code rebag10 That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. So tomorrow is January 20th, which means it is one year since President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris were inaugurated. This Mm -hmm. one year definitely really snuck up. Our nervous systems have had a year to regulate since Trump, albeit a year filled with uh, new variants. There were multiple police shootings and high-profile trials, uh, voter suppression everywhere. So we didn't really get a, a full year, a full recovery. But obviously, we're a daily podcast. It's our job to get into the like quotidian of it all and to nitpick day to day. Thanks. I was nervous I to say that. that. <laughs> yeah. Were you nervous? You wrote yeah. it for yourself. It was true. But I still don't say that word out loud very often. Le Pen. Uh, anyway. Yes, that's the only yeah. time. So today we wanted to zoom out a bit. Oh, I also capitalized zoom in this outline. That's sad. Today we wanted to zoom out a bit as we look back on a year of the Biden administration and about nine months until the midterms at how this Democratic government has been doing. I wanted to make this a little bit different than some of our like year end conversations. So I think we're just going to like really focus on the Biden administration, but also like I consider its partners in Congress, like the Nancy Pelosi's and the and the Chuck Schumer's like a vital kind of part of that. 
So kind of like the greater cinematic universe of the of the Biden administration is acceptable for what we're going to do, which is sort of a superlatives approach. I want to know, you know, I want to know what you guys think of how it's been going to start. Who or what has impressed you most about the Biden administration or its partners in Congress this year? Caitlin, I'm really curious uh, what you have to say for this one. Totally. Um, I'm going to say judicial nominations. They did a they they have not expanded the judiciary, but they've certainly been diverse, interesting. And most of all, the diversity is not just, you know, a, a kind of token diversity of like, oh, here are some of the same kinds of people that are already on the bench, but now they're brown. It has been like picking people who have public defense experience, picking people who have different perspectives in the law that can inform how the law actually functions on a day-to-day basis and not, you know, people who have just generally gone the track. Mm -hmm. They go through theory, they go into clerkships, they, you know, they do the right things. Instead, we've got some people who have a little bit more, you know, spicy living experience. It's nice. Way to go, Biden administration. Yeah, Again, back to the experience, not just the diplomas. Yeah, it is really cool because you've sort of seen people that were became kind of like legal rock stars during the Trump administration get tapped for judicial seats. Like I think that Dale Ho is going to be nominated and he ran the voting rights project at the ACLU. I don't think Sherilyn Eiffel has been tapped yet, but I will. She needs to be. Actually, she should be on the Supreme Court. I saw a rumor. It's a rumor. So this is a rumor. I saw a rumor. We got it. We got it. Rumor, 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 rumor. There was maybe going to be a retirement and they suggested the top potential three names. And I want to say one was Sherilyn Eiffel. It had to have been. The other was, I want to say something Brown Jackson. And then I honestly, the long shot in the prediction was Kamala Harris. And again, this was a tweet mm. saw on Twitter. It was from like a relatively reliable person, but... I wouldn't necessarily go spreading it, but it was just one perspective. No, that's interesting. I think that's very, I don't think that's fake newsy. I think that's a, I certainly hope that is a conversation that we're having. Well, I did call it potentially (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's got to be a retirement eventually, right? Like there will be a retirement eventually or or a death. There's either one, there's either 50-50 chance. You're either doing one or the other. Right. You're retiring or you're. You're going to kick it. Yeah. That's, Either you yeah. take you leave or it leaves you. Um, <laughs> not to be morbid, but yeah. Who have you been most impressed with, Sammy, so far, or what? I am impressed with. Uh, I know we don't live in a world where intent conquers impact, but I have been most impressed with the administration's intent. And I do really get a sense that if they could just do what they wanted to do, the I would be in full support of their agenda to a large extent, but I am least impressed by their ability to actually get anything done. And I would say if I'm the least, the person I am most, I don't want to say disappointed by because I wouldn't expect him to do this, but I am so infuriated over the just silence and zero total lack of action by Chuck Schumer. Like it's as if he, the man doesn't exist. Nancy Pelosi is way more vocal about the Senate than he is. He will be like, Oh, we're going to try like something like once every six months. 
and nothing ever happens. And I don't know, like, what the fuck he's doing. I would say that it kind of flips to who I would put as MVP. I always put Nancy Smash as MVP. She is one of the greatest legislators in American history. This is bar none. I think that she should have a building. Like, Rayburn has a building named after. She's accomplished more. Uh, there's really no question that, that honestly, she's one of the, the best house speakers in American history, but also one of the most successful legislative leaders in American history as well at any level. Unbelievable level of accomplishment. Keeping the caucus together is out in, in this environment. In mm-hmm. this environment, she keeps the caucus together. She never puts anything. She's never lost a floor vote. She still hasn't lost a floor vote. Even yeah. now, she's just a complete beast. And she has the full respect of everybody. We go miss her when she's gone. Like, yes. don't get me wrong. I think we need to stop at this gerontocracy where, like, everybody's old forever. And, like, we're just like, okay, I guess 80-year-olds run our country. Like, no, this is terrible. Except for Nancy. She's Nancy a rare can person. until literally exactly. the end. Because she's the only one who's so good at her job. I can't see who's going to replace her, who's going to do as well as she does. Yeah, she's it's almost like she knows. Useful. Yeah, she has to earn her place every day. It's like she's 80 and she's still walking around there in five-inch heels every day. <laughs> You know, doing oh, what needs to be done. You know, I, I tend to be, yeah, I tend to be a little bit easier on Chuck Schumer, but when compared with Nancy Pelosi and just how effective she is and how every day she's thinking of a strategic way to help her, her. She also thinks about her people in terms of politics, her people being the members of Congress in a way that I wish maybe Chuck Schumer did a little bit more. I mean, I don't really know. I don't know what Chuck Schumer can do for Senate members' electability, but he doesn't appear to be doing anything. And the next year, they're going to need to ex- they're going to need to communicate really clearly what has gotten in their way, because, like, say, obviously, to Sammy, who is you know very sympathetic to Democratic leadership, it looks like nothing is happening. I mean, he hasn't done one thing. Nancy is the only one pulling her weight on the group project, frankly. But, what, but so, do you want him to do more things like? Later today, Chuck is going to do the thing where he's going to, you know, put up, okay, can we pass voting rights? And Republicans are going to filibuster. And then he's going to say, okay, Democrats, let's end the filibuster so he can get. Do you mean you wanted just, do you, do you mean you wanted him to not give up every time Joe Manchin was like, we're not going to do it? Like, did you want more, you know, floor votes? Tell yeah. us how it's going to be. Or did you want him to literally be more effective at changing, you know, some minds in the Senate? I mean, I don't really know the exact mechanics of what goes on day to day, but we only see the outside. Nancy Pelosi, and we're he knows not watching that. Nancy Pelosi being effective every day. We just yeah, know yeah. that there are results. And the fact is, like, a- another, like, Barack Obama thing, like, get caught trying, like, never been caught trying. <laughs> never, never. That's very true. Never seen doing anything neither g- good nor bad. You know, it's... Like Nancy Pelosi has made missteps, but you know she's doing something. It's like she the results are there and mm-hmm. you don't know exactly how those results happened. Th- those are probably private conversations. I'm sure it's also the, the work of a very effective, well-managed staff. It's not just her. She can't manage the very. entire Democratic caucus alone. So what the fuck is he doing? <clears throat> Truly, what the fuck is he doing? You have well, and her members of Congress, like they, and, and and we know this also just from you know booking them, like they do not want to say anything 
that Nancy is not publicly communicating, not all of them, but a lot of them. And mm-hmm. even when, you know, there are fishers with the progressive caucus, like it's still very respectful. And you just know that Joe Manchin does not give a shit what Chuck Schumer thinks. Where like and and that's the power that's the power he lacks. Whereas Nancy Pelosi, like her people, they they really care what she thinks of them. The well, Senate no, but is if a someone doesn't if, if someone doesn't give a True. shit what you think, then you incentivize them. You're like he's he's not like born yesterday. This isn't his first no. day in the Senate. Like there are ways to to there are political levers that I imagine are available to pull whether I and I don't know what they are. Look, like I I I admit that maybe I'm not the person to I don't have an answer that like is solvable, but the fact that he hasn't ever even appear to try to try to think of one. Yeah. So I don't see like, I'm sorry. Next. Who's going to no, try you're next? Saying. Yeah. Yeah. Get caught trying. And I think, yeah, what you said makes a lot of sense about how like, we don't know exactly, you know, this year has not been really a year versus the Trump administration where you're seeing a lot of clips of like Nancy Pelosi claps back and does this. It's like, she's just doing it behind the scenes and her caucus is passing bill after bill after bill. Uh, good bills that are getting caught up in the Senate. That was really a, that was, those are both really interesting, contrasting answers. So Sammy, did you give an MVP? I only have complaints. Yeah. Well, I feel <laughs> like the Biden administration is like a person who has spent a lot of time in therapy. Yes. But like, they're not very, they're not super reactive. When they have an issue, they will sort of kind of like sit back and see, see how it goes. Like they'll sort of observe and see if it becomes something super serious that people aren't going to like let go or if it's going to become something that people are like constantly going to harp on. Um, I'm thinking like with pandemic stuff, people have never left them alone about not having tests and not having uh, good masks. And they have like realized that people aren't going to aren't going to leave them alone about that. And they have reacted and they have like fixed it. Whereas like supply chain stuff. I feel like what they did with that where they were just like, let's just let them, it'll go away. And it kind of did. Like, you don't really hear that many people on the on the left talking about supply chain stuff. So I feel like they're kind of good at being like, just let them fight. Everything will be fine. We're going to sit here at peace. And then sometimes they do find the right moments to like really react and know that they should have done better. So I think like I've been impressed with their ability to like react appropriately, whether that's like not feeding the fire and the punditry. Um, and whether it's admitting that they were, I mean, nobody's like, we were wrong or just like, you admit when you're wrong when you do what you, we asked you to do that you should have done previously. So I like that about them, but that is really only effective if you are also do like taking that, taking that ability yeah. to sort of ignore the, like those types of problems. You're not really taking advantage of your ability to do that. If you're not then replacing it yes, with what true. we are doing. And that's really where I feel like they've lacked. And I think I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to, because I saw a very just infuriating headline on AP news the other day about it. Um, Kamala completely. Is she like not even part of the strategy? Is she not being considered whatsoever? I saw a headline. Apparently not that was if they like, want to put her on the court. I mean, that's a rumor. <laughs> I, saw, I, um, I saw this like headline on AP News. It's like a year in, like Kamala Harris is lost. That is above the fold on AP News. I'm like, how is that news? Like nothing is in this We story. can talk about that too. Nothing happened. Yeah. So why is that? a top of the headline story. Yes, it is to be analyzed, but the, the, like the administration the biggest, just doesn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. One of the biggest disappointments for me has been, uh, I would say that the admin, you kind, I kind of expected more competence. And it was, it's a little bit depressing to me that like Joe Biden's been doing this for a really long time. This was his third time true running for president. Like the man has obviously wanted power for a really long time. He asked for it in the middle of one of the greatest it set of intersecting crises in American history. And people were like, okay, dude, let's see what you got. And he was like, I have a lot of calm. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm, just, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just not going to do He's- doom. But then on the other hand, you're like, but everything's on fire. You know, like, don't get me wrong. Caretaker presidents are super important. They really do keep the bridge between like... When when things are actually functioning properly, sometimes you don't need anybody to rock the boat. Sometimes you just need people who are going to shore things up, keep things moving, going in the right direction. Things are in a very bad direction, though. We are handbasket the hell situation right now. It is not good. We need someone to proactively pull us back up. We do not need. Okay, well, at least the ride you will not get motion sickness. Like <laughs> sir, to hell. Please, motion sickness is not my greatest concern right now. So there is a little bit of disappointment in how the admin, as you said, Amanda, is very reactive in the sense that they do see problems and they go towards them and they they analyze what's going on and they see whether or not it really requires full court press. And they've done a little bit of what the Obama admin has did, which was, you know, not get try to get caught up in the 24 hour news cycle. On the other hand, man, these headlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way he treated Kamala when he was recruiting her as VP, I saw that and I was like, he's not going to treat her properly. He's not treating her properly now. This is like letting her get savaged by his own team, letting her like twist in the wind, imply like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I was like, this is not somebody who fundamentally respects you. Like, if Obama had let this happen to him, he would never have joined on board. If he had let mm-hmm. his his recruiting team talk about how shitty Joe Biden is, are you serious? Publicly? And how they didn't want to choose him? And then they were like, oh, I guess we have to? Yeah, that's fucked up. Are you yeah. serious? And, oh. and not giving her a portfolio or understanding what her strengths are and letting her lean into those. Although admittedly, she doesn't have great executive strengths, so that's a weakness already, but like she feels comfortable, obviously, talking to black people as a black and Indian woman. So maybe I, I don't know. You could you could have had her be the key bridge on this voting rights legislation, <laughs> key campaign on it, even. But but if you okay, if you have someone like Biden, very empathetic, very good, I think guy that I think what people respond to is sort that sort of trust trustworthiness that you can feel when you have someone like that then you need a ruthless dick cheney getting your agenda done and kamala i do think has that in her a little bit but it needed to be tapped into and unleashed if you will for her to sort of get her way and then i think she herself has appears to me to be worried about what people think in a way that you know, that's just sort of the downside if you're not a narcissistic sociopath. You know, you have to worry. You just can't help but worry about what people think. So, you know, I, I do think there could have been – look, hindsight's twenty twenty, and everyone's doing their best. But 
that would have been an ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it does feel like something that's that's hard to fix at this point. Like it's not unfixable. Obviously, there are, there are years left. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. I mean, one thing I wanted to talk about is um, like the news coverage. I mean, Sammy and I read this a lot. I mean, the news, news like consumption among just the average person is down like crazy <laughs> since the past year. Uh, specifically, like more partisan outlets have seen uh, news go down. But has your um, I, I don't know if this isn't a, a useful question for us because our news consumption habits are a little a little different because all three of us consume and process news for a living. But has your news consumption changed or your relationship to news consumption changed in the past year? Yes, I don't. Really? Um, yeah, totally. I am able to compartmentalize when I consume the news. And I don't um, feel like I'm frantically consuming the same way where I'm like, I can't get off Twitter because like something might come up. And that is because the news doesn't happen like it used to. It used to be you were on the edge of your seat to see what would happen. Now I'm like taking it in. I, you know, I have time to process it. And I am able to compartmentalize that with like leisure. And I'm purposely (laughs) doing that. And I'm, and I'm purposely trying to create that boundary because I know that this might not be forever, probably won't be forever. Mm -hmm. And there will likely be a time when I go back to being on the edge of my seat all over it all the time. So no, I haven't changed my news consumption. <laughs> I still reading I, Civil War tomes <laughs> I, I, for pleasure. What happened? What happened was I basically, even before the Trump admin happened, I except for campaigns uh, where I follow a little bit more closely um, on the day to day, just because it's interesting about what what peeks through the maelstrom for mm-hmm. regular people. Um, mm-hmm. In figuring out, like, is this complete trash or is this something that's going to stick? Um, and other than that, I generally don't follow day to day very closely on national. I I basically stopped watching any kind of national news. I don't do it. I only listen to local now. I'm very lucky. I have New York One. Mm-hmm. They keep me. They keep me good. That's how I do. But uh, yeah, basically, I just I just stopped paying attention to to. Um, like broader news, unless it's from my very curated 
space on Twitter where I only click on things that are not clickbaity. You know, I'll right. check to see whether or not other people have looked at it and been like, okay, so is this a piece of information that's actually relevant? And then otherwise, I'm always, that's reading. It's reading essays and uh, yeah, so... I, I haven't yeah, engaged right. with news like a normal human being for like seven years now. Your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've ever engaged with the news like a normal human being, to be honest. <laughs> no, but 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 what what you're is what you are saying is interesting about like to watch what penetrates because even though I am totally. compartmentalizing, I'm still reading every day. Like I'm reading pretty much all the news websites, not every article obviously, but I'm like seeing what headlines are there. And it is fascinating to see what is going on that like no one else is at all aware about. Mm-hmm. And just because it doesn't really make it past Twitter. And, you know, it's, it may not even make it into like the sub newsletter, you know. So it's just it really is an interesting time because the news is not sensationalist whatsoever right now. Yeah. And finally, uh, a last question. Is there is there is there anything you thought would have changed a year into a new president that hasn't, whether it's a specific policy or like just a vibe? <laughs> that, that we would we would be ending a pandemic. I thought I thought we would we would be like, OK, so here's what where we go next. We are not. That is very depressing to me. I uh, am disappointed that the Biden administration's like it's a year out and we're going to send you tests now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say that should have happened day one. There should have been a, a marshalling of like World War II effort to get these things out. And I'm glad, like I said, like I'm glad that they did, but, uh, and that this infrastructure exists, but I, yeah, should have happened. Should have happened day one. Right. I thought the pandemic, the pandemic was actually, I thought it would be over. Um, I, I thought that would be done, but in terms of where we are with everything else, voting rights, the Build Back Better climate stuff, everything. Trump is still a person that is allowed to speak in public. (laughs) So I kind of, I hate to say, I kind of envisioned it going like one of two ways. My optimistic self is like, we're going to recover. Like Biden's going to push through voting rights and maybe we'll get police reform. And I thought, oh, for maybe six hours when we control the Senate and then the Republicans briefly denounced the coup. I thought, oh, my gosh, like maybe things will improve. Maybe they're, they're not going to improve like as much as like the ideal. But I thought like he will step it up come and to like, a collective we'll agreement past yeah. it. We will be past it. But then there was a part of me that was like, you can't put the toothpaste back in or whatever, some shit. And these people are bad <laughs> yeah. shit. And Trump, even though he's off Twitter, there's the, the news is too siloed. And something else that's interesting is the Republicans don't even want to be in the presidential debates to right. put, which will mean there will be no moment when the two candidates meet and are, can be compared by the average person. So, yeah. so there's, there was always this part of me that was like, you know what, we're going to get like four years of a break. Biden's going to be like, mediocre. He's not going to be able to get the things that need to be done, done. And then we're going to get a real fascist and we're really going to, it's going to really be like the rest of our lives. So I'm worried. That's what you thought would happen or that's what you think is happening. I feel like we're leaning that. I I was like in my head, 
I was like, it will go one of two ways and I'm not sure which way. Obviously, I'd prefer the former way. It's sort of like how I'm not sure if crypto is a total scam or our whole future. <laughs> it could go one yeah. of two ways. I kind of feel like it's our whole future the same way I kind of feel like we're doing the fascism. And I actually think crypto might be one of the ways that like we're able to sort of weather some of the challenges. I can't take that in the right American now. Dollar. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who knows what I, might happen to it. I don't know if it. I can agree I'm sorry. That. I'm going to send you a Timothy Snyder article. Okay. Perfect. I was gonna say that the 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 crypto and the, between like the the crypto promotion and the sports betting commercials, I feel like we're in very dystopian like advertising times. Like every other commercial is like, "Hey, you want to bet your money? Like what money? I am a poor. Like what is happening?" Caitlin, you know what they did? You know what they did is that the way people made money in finance is basically just like clicking shit and like putting an algorithm and like you somehow end up with so much money and like the whatever with the taxes and it's like it doesn't make any sense it's generating non-existent money they have basically now marketed that to regular people so that yeah. they can find ways because to do that in their lives. that is actually yeah. actual definition, definition of, of a pyramid scheme if you yeah. can't serve if your product needs new people in order to remain profitable you're yeah. you're in a problem Oh, yeah. Because like, if the key is that new people have to buy in or else it can't sustain itself, you might you might not be in a good place. That is an excellent topic for uh, for another show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.